right, welcome to this special segment here of the Two Shots Podcast. It's called the Spurs Fan Spotlight. And we're going to be joined by our guest here, our special guest. We're going to be joined by James Pledger. Uh, he is the producer of The Blitz, which you can listen to on ESPN SA here locally at on 1250 AM or 94.5 FM here in San Antonio, Monday through Fridays from 4 to 7 PM. And he's also the co-host of the Saturday Morning Hangover, which you can listen to on Saturdays from 9 to 11 a.m. Welcome. I appreciate you taking the time to, to come out here and and be interviewed by us. <laughs> What's up, Joe? How you doing, man? Always doing good, man. You know, just just trying to do my thing, you know, trying to keep keep upbeat about the Spurs in the upcoming season. And, you know, Pledger just <laughs> likes to keep it real and throw the hot takes at us. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember the last time we were. Life doing is this. better when they're good. It is better. <laughs> it's better for everyone. The air smells better. The weather's better. There's just a different aura here in San Antonio when the team is, is doing good. And right now, I think it's a new feeling for, for a lot of Spurs fans, and including myself and possibly yourself as well, because you're not notoriously a Spurs fan. You, you are what you're from houston right i'm from houston i grew up uh all my sports allegiances lie there i'm an astros fan i'm a texans fan i'm a rockets fan um that's kind of where everything was kind of rudely instilled and i've just followed it since but i made the mistake when i was young Early uh, in my life, I never, A, appreciated or liked Jordan. And I also never liked or appreciated the Bulls growing up as a kid. Oh, wow. And I decided years later that that was never going to happen again. I'm going to at least respect and appreciate greatness, no matter if I like it or not. And so I, I managed to, you know, I respect the Patriots and everything they've done, the dynasty they've created, the Spurs and what they've done, Tim Duncan and what he's done. Um, even to a lesser extent, the Warriors and what they did. Um, it's not easy. And as a Rockets fan, it's not easy to win one or even two championships. It is hard. It is hard to be good, especially in the NBA for long periods of time. And especially since the, the Mm -hmm. Spurs are doing it as a small market team that's not really luring free agents the way the Lakers would just to become relevant again. That's a very, very daunting and tough task to be able to do. So when that's happening, you have to take a step back from whether it's fan allegiances, uh, if you don't like something and just go, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's basically where the Spurs have been. You know, you've you've been covering them for a number of years here uh, in San Antonio. So yeah. you've been privy to, I guess, the whole gamut of, you know, going from 
them almost being contenders to where now they are. They were legitimate contenders yeah. when they had the big three and and Timmy, Manu and Tony. And of course, we also had the great David Robinson as part of the tri- the trio yeah. was the, the Twin Towers, Timmy and, and David back in the day uh, until the uh, departure or retirement of one David Robinson in 03 after Spurs defeated the New Jersey Nets. Um, but given all these things, I mean, you've seen this city and how it how it's just revolved around this team, you know, and how special this yeah. team is. Uh, to the fan base here and not only the fan base but it goes beyond that it, it's drilled in the culture here uh, as as part of san antonio being the only uh you know professional sports franchise that we have here it, it means a lot mm-hmm. to this city so i would like to ask you was there anything that that really stood out at you that that was like wow this is this is a special bond between the the fan base and the and the and the players you know and the team was there any moment here that just kind of like Huh? It kind of surprised you. Um, I mean, there's been multiple moments that surprise you, but with the Spurs, you're not really privy to a whole lot of moments. They're very um, calculated in what they let out of the building, in a sense. So you're not privy even to the good stuff. Um, so finding finding out more about Tim Duncan as you covered him who he was as a person, uh, his personality that wasn't what it was in the media. Like, that was fun. Uh, talking with Tim before games about, you know, how the, how the Bears were doing or something during the season. Like, uh, things like that were really cool. Um, and you don't, you don't get to um, really open up, up about it as much. But that was cool. There's, um, I mean, I've been here for the gamut. I was a Rockets fan back when David was there. So I knew the Spurs were one of the teams always in the way um, that was going to be there at the end of the year. It was the Spurs. It was the Jazz. And it was the Sonics in the West back then. Like those were the, those were kind of the hurdles that you had to climb over if you were going to attempt to win a title. And, and the Suns, of course, because yeah. of Charles Barkley. And those, those were kind of the four, five teams you had to worry about year in, year out if you were going to compete for a title. And that was in the early to mid nineties. Um, so they, the Spurs have been good most of my entire life. Uh, they won their first title. The year I graduated high school in 99. And so I remember, you know, people around here going nuts and the, the feeling, the exhaustion of, and I, it reminded me of my own kind of relief in winning that first title as a Rockets fan back in, uh, 93. Like that, you kind of start to, go, wow, 93, 94, I remember that. that. I remember what that feels like, and it sparked a memory. And it, although it wasn't a very – it wasn't a not-so-distant memory, it still, like, put me in that moment as Spurs fans were celebrating their first title. The honking up and down commerce, you know, all that stuff. The river parades, which kind of are unique celebration in and of its own here in San Antonio because not everyone has – a river 
to be able to put their players and coaches and the trophy on and just float it down. <laughs> so that's kind of a cool, different uh, aspect of San Antonio. Um, when I started covering the Spurs, it was probably very beginning of the big three because um, it was early – 2000s, 2005, 2000 area, somewhere like that. Um, so it was around the time of their second, third title. So it was 2003, 2005, you know, because everything happened in the odd years until the last one. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they, they, they had this trend going that got <laughs> disrupted. By LeBron and the Heatles. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Ray Allen shot. <laughs> but, um, no, um, I remember covering them that early then and just being new. And I was working for a station in the Braunfels and going to games and being really quiet and really shy, uh, in the locker rooms for the most part. Cause, you know, you're young, you don't want to step on anybody's toes, the veterans. All that stuff. And then there's, you know, Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Monty Ginobili all kind of right there. <laughs> so it's a little bit intimidating, uh, early on, but you, you become more comfortable the more you're at that setting. And I can't even imagine you, start- you being, being shy. <laughs> <laughs> But you develop a relationship when you see these people, you know, 42 nights, uh, 41 nights a year, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, things become more comfortable. You get more used to certain people and you start to see personalities within the locker room as you're doing the, you know, stand ups in front of lockers and stuff. And Manu was always so. Almost presidential in a sense. Okay. He, he, he was eloquent in the way he, he spoke despite that not being his actual language and wanted to make sure that he was always saying the right thing. And you could tell that he, despite being so full of life and energy and exuberance and everything that you see on the floor and everything he is a person when he's behind the microphone, he's very well-spoken in terms of he knows the message that he wants to get across. And I think that comes from kind of that Spurs culture as in a sense too. The problem becomes, you know, I don't think fans really got to, see up close the greatness of Tim Duncan in terms of who he was off the court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was an incredibly cool dude. And everybody thinks of him, like Kawhi was um, known as Tim 2.0, the, other, the next quiet superstar, because that's who Tim was personified as. He was the quiet superstar. But they were different personalities when, you know, the cameras weren't rolling and you weren't out in front of people. And I remember um, 
just some of the some of the things that he would do in the locker room, some of the jokes he would play, some of the you know some of the stories you'd hear behind the scenes. Like those are things that I think Spurs fans would have like. I know they appreciate Tim Duncan for who he is, but I think they would have insanely appreciated Tim Duncan for that. As a but, person, you know, as the individual. As a, as a person, as an individual outside of his incredible talent and, and leadership and ability on the basketball court and being one of the top players in NBA history. Like, he, he was such a fun, loving dude. Wow. And that was really cool to see and so you know as it went on and then seeing after they were bouncing the first round by the Grizzlies and and Tim was dealing with that knee injury and they wouldn't bring him back they wouldn't bring him back to play through it and then he after that season noticed a trend in the NBA in a sense slimmed down his body uh became uh, made sure he was carrying less weight on his body since he was getting older. And that probably preserved his career, which allowed him to play as long as he did. Like his ability to foresee the trend, adapt to it quickly. And then his workouts that he put in in the offseason. Uh, Antonio Daniels used to be on a radio station. And he talked about it all the time doing workouts with Tim in the offseason. You were trying to punish yourself because if you agreed to sign up for those, he was going to put you through it. And there were just so many things that made him special that, you know, San Antonio really should have a deeper appreciation for that. I don't even think they know about. Yeah, definitely. But that's also part of that Spurs culture in a sense. And being a part of that Spurs culture has, you know, we're going to put forth this and that's it. And we're going to hide everything back here behind the curtain. And that's great. That works fantastically when you have Tim, Tony, and Manu and a, a set of guys that can A, buy into the culture and B, you know, get other people to fall in line with the culture. Yeah, definitely. It becomes but a lot harder when you're losing. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I got to ask you one thing, though. You know, after seeing all these Spurs greats, you saw the big three in action. You were there. You got to see them interact with one another beyond just, you know, the scope of the game. Which Spur uh, to you has stood out? And you can say, you know what? I really like this Spur. This this particular San Antonio Spur is is my personal favorite. Is there one or, or you have to pick more than one? Um... I mean, there are a couple. Tim Tim was great once you got to know him. Um, Steven Jackson was was a good dude. Steven Jackson, Captain Jack was great. Um, still is great. Doing great things in the media, doing great things uh, in society. Like, uh, Captain Jack's great dude. Um... Thinking over the years of all the kind of random uh, Malik Malik Rose was fun. Malik Rose is a fun dude, but I think uh, San Antonio got to see his personality for the most part. Yeah, I think they knew, they knew who he was as a person. 
I'm trying to think of people that behind the scenes were because Captain Jack has that, you know, he's just crazy, you know, that he has that vibe. He, he's not. He's he's a smart dude. He's a good dude. He's passionate. There's a difference between crazy, crazy and passionate. And um, he he's uh, an incredible talk. He's an incredible guy to to get around. And just working with him more so than covering him, because while while I may have covered him, I don't think there was much. I think it was like one year, maybe. But Antonio Daniels, Antonio Daniels is just a really, really, really good person. Um, he's funny. He's eloquent. He's well spoken. He makes. He makes you think about things from a completely different perspective, and he does it very well. And he makes you, you know, step out of what you believe, what you think, and make you take on another perspective just to give you perspective on something. And he's incredibly talented at that. And uh, I mean, that's why he's doing work for Sirius XM NBA radio and stuff now. I mean, he's just. He's a super insightful guy, but on top of that, he's just a very good person and a caring person. I actually got to see him uh, one time because uh, the church that I go to, uh, Westover Hills, uh, the Westover mm-hmm. Hills Church right here by my house, I went one time and I did. I had no idea he was going to be speaking that day. I just went in there with my family as we normally do on Sundays. And um, lo and behold, I see Antonio Daniels and his wife, uh, they're talking to the congregation on stage and uh, the stories that he was sharing just, you know, from his personal life and, and, you know, the, the trials and tribulations that him and his wife went through. And from a personal standpoint for him to go up there on stage and share this, it was very inspirational. And for one, it was very brave of him uh, to humanize himself that way and just to come out and be completely honest with, with, you know, complete strangers. And then the one thing that really took me aback is afterwards you were invited to come down and he would shake your hand. He would take pictures with everybody, say hi. Yep. Really nice guy. I, I know exactly what you're saying. You, you couldn't say enough good things That's about That's who him. Antonio is as a person, though, yeah. whether it's individually or in a setting like that, cameras on, cameras off. He's just a great human being. And uh, one guy I wish I would have gotten to cover and know, mainly just because that I hear of all the reports of what a, a Richard he was and I wanted to find out for myself. I would have loved to have been able to cover, get to know Dennis Rodman for the short period of time he was here. I knew you were going to say that the worm. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's been a lot of hearsay about Dennis Rodman, but the context that I, that I hear from reliable sources is the guy is a great teammate. You know, you love him as a teammate because he's going to go out there and he's going to give you every single thing that he's got. He's going to go out there and and battle for you. He's going to go out and fight for you and give you everything he has every game, you know, and you couldn't ask for more. Uh, Whatever he does in his personal life is up to him. But you got it. You got to take the good, uh, the good with the bad, though, because he's not going to fall in line on the court all the time. He's not going to fall in line by showing up to practice all the time. He's not going to fall in line by doing you know, the little things outside of the lines 
But once he steps in between the lines, you're going to get it from him. Yeah. He was a very unconventional player. Uh, he just marched to the beat of his own drum. And, you know, at the end of the day, you see what he was able to accomplish throughout his career. Yes, he had a stint here in San Antonio. But, damn, he was just a, an all-around great player, you know. Besides what, what he did, you know, on and off the court, he was entertaining, mm -hmm. to say the least. I mean, when you when you had him on your team, you were going to be entertained. <laughs> That's true. And you knew if he was on your team, your team was going to be covered by the media because oh, yeah. they would follow him. I mean, he brought Madonna and to San Antonio. Being, <laughs> being covered by the media, not always been a thing in San Antonio. Yeah, I still remember the time Nashville. he had Madonna. <laughs> he had Nashville. Madonna here. Oh, yeah, yeah. He had Madonna show up one time uh, in the stands. I was, And she was wearing the, the jersey and everything. I was like, mm -hmm. man, this dude, man, he gets around. That's like Rodman. Rodman was a character. Rodman was a character. Maybe that's one of the reasons that he didn't uh, really fall in line here because of his uh, flamboyant uh, attitude and just what he was, what he would do. You know, he was out there and, you know, unfortunately, it just wasn't a, a good fit for the Spurs culture. But damn it, if we wouldn't have just hung on to him and kept him and surrounded him and, and David with some other pieces, you know, the big three, who knows what could have happened, you know? It, it's it's fun to think about what could have happened, but it takes a special locker room to be able. Like, if you saw the Last Dance documentary, yeah, and that ten part series, and what the Bulls had to go through for that second three peat with with Dennis Rodman and everything. Like, there's not many coaches like Phil Jackson who's like, yeah, go to Vegas, be back in time. Like, it's not gonna work everywhere you have to have a certain leader in the locker room like a michael jordan you have to have a certain head coach who gets his players like a phil jackson and you have to have a certain uh set of complimentary guys who also know who they are like steve kerr or you know scotty pippen like you yeah you have to have a certain foundation in place and I don't think there was any like David. David couldn't be Michael. <laughs> There's a David, lot of structure. David, David doesn't have it in him to be, you know, the Rick. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> yeah. he can't. He can't do that the way Michael can, to where he's going to undress you in practice. Um, was it Bob Hill that was the coach at the time, or was it Pop? I believe at that time, I I, I want to say it was Bob Hill. I think. Okay. Bob Hill's not the coach for, for Dennis Rodman. <laughs> <laughs> In no way is Bob Hill the coach for Dennis Rodman. But, you know, those are just, those are, those are just things that it's kind of the perfect storm and why the Bulls dynasty worked because of the, the personalities that you had. And if there was somebody that, didn't fit into that they got rid of that personality because you had to know how to work with it everybody knew michael was the guy yeah. and michael was going to demand from you whether it was in practice or whether it was in the game he demanded a certain something of you and he wanted and like kerr said you know punched him and 
you know, Kerr got right back up and got in his face, and that was it. All of a sudden, Michael jo- Jordan trusted Steve Kerr to not back down. Uh, th- you know, those are the types of, you know, different attitudes that fill a locker room and they have to fit so perfectly. And that's why team molding is so intricate because you're not just fitting players and how they fit together on the court together. You're also trying to fit personalities together that will mesh well off the court and find a way to make those work. Yeah. I got to ask you a question though, man, out of all these, you know, Spurs, chips championship runs that they've gone on which one to you has stuck out as the most special one to you in your eyes because everybody every fan is different everybody has a championship run that they hang on to this was the best one which one has really stood out to you and just seemed extra special uh in your eyes it was the last one it's not close Everybody, everybody loves to point to the the one against the Pistons because they feel like that was the best team they had to they had to face. You know, I never thought the when they beat Cleveland that that was a very good team. The Knicks team they beat for their first one was depleted. They were without Latrell Sprewell or Allen Houston. Uh, Patrick Ewing was hurt. Like that team was just it was a it was a mash unit by the time that they got to the finals to face the Spurs. Um, the Nets weren't a very good team. So, like, the best team they have fought to, they have faced to that point was that Pistons team until 2014, because that was the best team they have faced, period, because it was the ushering of the Big Three era for the most part. So, it was the very beginning of that. The fact that you should have won the year previously and that they bottled and focused all that energy into a revenge tour year of we're going to get back there and we're going to kick their ass. And that was, that's something that you don't get to see very often. And on top of that, the fact that it was, it's not that it was LeBron and Chris Bosh and, and Ray Allen and the big three, but the fact that you're doing this, God, 14 would have been 15 years after the first title. <laughs> wow. So you're, you're talking about this, the same core group of people for the most part, or the same at least core MVP in Tim Duncan. Um, and then the same core group that won you the previous ones all these years later, still playing at a high level. Tim Duncan, who was thought to be done, done after, you know, that knee injury and the way the big man was fading, phasing out of the game in a sense, uh, to that point of the NBA, he had slendered down, he had remade his body, he kind of redone his, his game, his game translated well with the, you know, fundamental backgrounds and, uh, and the, uh, bank shots and all that like that that translated well to to his game aging well um you had a new up-and-coming superstar in Kawhi Leonard uh Tony Parker was still playing at a very high level in fact if they hadn't won um hadn't lost that one before with that Ray Allen shot I truly believe in my heart of hearts either Tony Parker or Danny Green would have been the MVP of that final series yeah, with that, because yeah. 
of how they were playing. Um, it was just, it was a culmination of a whole bunch of different factors, mainly the bottling up the resentment of losing to them the previous year when they know deep in their hearts they shouldn't have. That was a fluke bounce that, you know, long bounce comes out. Everybody's wondering um, where Tim Duncan was, but like, I get it. It's a, it's a long rebound. Like you're not, you're not, your bigs are typically. Now, hold on there, Pledger. I, I lost your audio for a minute. I lost your, I lost your audio feed. There you go. You're back now. I'm back. Yeah, okay. okay. Sorry. So let me go ahead and get you back in here. I put it on pause, so it's it's not going to miss a beat. So here we go. Where was I? Uh, you were just talking about, uh, you know, Timmy, and you were talking about uh, them coming back. You know, from, from yeah. such that that you know that 2014 yeah. run. So here we go, and we go five, four, three, two, <laughs> and one. And. So I think about it and the way that they came back and the way they channeled that focus from the previous year and everything they have went through from the shot to uh, the game seven, like all of that stuff. And, and the fact that they probably not only could have, but should have won that series anyway, they were able to bottle that focus that Tim Duncan kind of remaking the way he plays his game all these players, all these years later, and doing it against one of the greatest teams ever assembled in terms of, you know, LeBron, Bosch, uh, D. Wade, Ray Allen. Like, you're looking at the, the these players that they put together that were supposed to be this unstoppable force. And the Spurs not only should have stopped it the year previously, but did put a stop to it the next year. And not only did they put a stop to it the next year, but they impressively beat them that year in the revenge tour. There was no question about it. Like that was a domination of that team in a sense. And the fact that, you know, you had this homegrown guy that you took with the 15th pick that you traded uh, beloved player in George Hill for was becoming an emerging superstar and was emerging right in front of your eyes and, and as a two-way player. Like that was all really special to see kind of happen all at once. Yeah, it was, you know, and I got to tell you one thing that I got to come back and ask you because you being a Rockets fan. Yeah. I know you saw that, that block by Manu Ginobili on James Harden mm-hmm. uh, when they met up. In the playoffs. Great block. Uh, like what? What was your thought when you saw that? Could you believe that that actually happened, uh, or were you just yeah, kind of I was, surprised? I was mad. I was mad. It's it sucked, but at the same time, I'm like, that's who Manu Ginobili is. Like I've seen him do Manu things all the time, and that was one of those Manu things that he does. Yeah, and so it was really cool, uh, in a sense, to just be like, wow another Manu moment yeah. because he has so many of them. Yeah. And that, one stood out to me. that one's obviously, I mean, the Manu block is, if you think about it, it is a lot like 
for Rockets fans what Tracy McGrady is to Spurs fans. No, <laughs> yeah. There's that. There's that one thing that you will always remember mm-hmm. about that player, and it's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> that it is not. But you know, the Rockets and the Spurs have met in the playoffs, and it's always been entertaining. You know, when they meet in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just seems it doesn't matter what the records are during the regular season or what they're seated at. It's much like the Dallas Mavericks. They just when these teams meet, they just come at mm-hmm. come at each other with everything they got. And it seems like they get up a little bit more for this because it's the interstate rivalry, you know, which I love. I, I think yeah. it's it's good basketball for the fans, no matter uh, what team you're rooting for. You're going to be entertained. It's going to be a dogfight, you know, and I love that. I love when the Rockets are good. I love when the, the Mavericks are good. And I like it when the Spurs are good. Now, you know, granted, they haven't been very good this last season. But when all these teams are good and they face each other, it's, man, you're going to be in for some great games, man. I just love it. Don't worry. They're hopefully not far off. We'll have to see how the draft goes this year. We'll have to see um uh, what happens this off season with player options and things like that. And we'll have to see if there are any trades that come down the line as we get closer to the NBA draft. And if somebody wants to make a move to add another superstar to a group in Brooklyn, possibly, or if somebody wants to add some more low post scoring somewhere in like Boston, or maybe uh, uh, somebody who can not only do low post scoring, but also pick, pick and pop a little now and send them home in Portland. Like there, there are options to unload contracts, to open up moves that will make this team better, quicker. And it, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how things play out moving forward with the San Antonio Spurs because they are facing when you look at the Western Conference and who's there, who's about to be right back there in the Golden State Warriors once they're healthy, and the the possibility of the future and what it holds for the Spurs. I mean, you have to look at it instead of, wow, all these teams have all these players. You have to start you have to look at it with optimism, which is why, especially during our, our presidential debate with uh, Jeff Garcia of Spurs Zone, like I, I'm like, trade this guy, trade that guy, blow it up, <laughs> you know, do what you got to do, because you have to have the optimism that they will make the right moves to get this team back into position. Because what what they have, we've seen while good. Not good enough in the Western Conference. Yeah. Not when you're dealing with LeBron or Kawhi or Jokic or Luka or, uh, you know, even an Anthony the Warriors Davis. when they're healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like these, you need to find something and you, your tandem of DeMar and, and LaMarcus went as far as I think you can take it. I I love Jamar. I'd love to see maybe him stick around a little bit longer if you can but if you can sign and trade him and get some pieces same with LaMarcus it's hard to argue with that because if you try and stay relevant and only hang around the middle it's really hard to find a superstar 
that will take you to that next level. Like yeah. the, the one, of the, one of the only teams that I can think of that ever like rebuilt without bottoming out was the Rockets. Like somehow Daryl Morey took that team that had T-Mac and Yao and then the injuries happened and he managed to trade for different middling supers. I mean, Kyle Lowry turned into Jeremy Lamb, which turned into it was, it was piece after piece after piece after piece until he finally acquired enough first round picks and, and young, talented assets to go get him a James Harden. Yeah. And that's not done very often in the NBA is where you can acquire a superstar who's not quite a superstar, but you see the potential of superstar in him so that you offer something to get that player. And, and you know, without a top pick, it's just really hard to find that guy. Yeah. And other, other than what the Lakers did, which is signing them in free agency, which in San Antonio we know is not a good way to try to go about focus on, on bringing in that next superstar. Yeah, not at all. We're such a small market here that it's not very attractive uh, to some of these big name superstars who want not only a, a good. And contract. I don't agree. I don't agree with that in a sense either. Um, like the small, mar- the market thing, the market thing. Yeah. Like all, t- all teams can spend the same amount of money. After yeah. that, you have to pay a tax. Um, if you have an owner that's willing to pay the tax, like Tillman Fertitta is, then cool. Or, you know, uh, the buses, you know, cool. If you got somebody who's not willing to spend over the cap in order to get you a championship, then that's going to be detrimental. Um, because player salaries are capped. You have a max allotment you can give a really, 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 really good player. Yeah. You have a super max allotment that you can give a really, really, really good player. And then you try and figure out how to fit other pieces into that with as much money as you could possibly spend. Um, and notoriety, like these people are their own brands. Like LeBron yeah. will be a star in San Antonio. He'll be a star in Milwaukee. Giannis Antetokounmpo is a nationwide star in Milwaukee. Yeah. Like playing in New York has nothing to do with it anymore because of social media, because of the way um, the internet allows people to watch games, because of, you know, the way the, the the NBA is consumed now, there's no such thing as small market. There's such thing as an owner that wants to spend like a small market, maybe. <laughs> but there's no such thing as small market in terms of exposure, because yeah. that's that's gone away in the last decade. Yeah, I just you know what I mean by saying small market. What I'm what I'm referring to is the ability to said player to to be an, a brand ambassador for some but some brands that are maybe local here that are they have a nationwide following you know something like you would see out of LA because there's a lot of movie stars and a lot of movie houses there that seemed attractive but to him we thing, don't really have joe, that here here's the thing joe like demar derozan can push a brand in new york if he wants it doesn't True. matter yeah. I mean, people love it. Like Steph Curry is a brand 
outside of Golden State. People want Steph Curry's jersey. People want Steph Curry's name on things. Like the JJ Watt is a brand despite being in Houston. Yeah. So like the whole you need you need to be in a big market to get a, a big market deal or a big market brand. That's not true anymore. That's just that's not the way that things work anymore. The the NBA finds the best players and those play like small market always kind of revolved around how much you see them on TV, how much you see them on national TV. But with new TV deals, you see everybody a lot on TV. Yeah. And if you're a really, really, really good team, you're going to be on national TV a lot. And if yeah. you're going to be a really good team, that means you have really good players that will appeal to those bigger market brands. Yeah. Or if you're a very popular player, you're going to get TV deals and, you know, not only for commercials, exactly. but brands as well, Nike, Puma, whatever want to throw money mm-hmm. at you because you're a big name, you're a big deal, you know? So, so like, I, let's face it. Why Leonard hasn't done any extra deals since he made the move to LA. Yeah. True enough. Like he's always been a new balance guy. Like, <laughs> it's not like he's pushing muscle milk down our throat or anything right now. <laughs> so like the, 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 the whole notion of moving to a big market to get big deals is it's a fallacy because of the way the world works now. Yeah. The money. Like you could have a you could have a big market idea. You could be um LeBron James playing in Pittsmona, Utah or something <laughs> and still be worth half a billion dollars because he's a brand unto himself. Yeah. He doesn't need the team to make him a brand. Like LeBron James going to the Lakers didn't make him any extra money. No. <laughs> oh, he got him a movie deal. He's starring in that Space Jam movie. But beyond I mean, that. He had a movie deal. Yeah. He, he had a movie that. deal, Joe, yeah. because it's his own company. Yeah. Like the movie company is LeBron's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know exactly what you So saying. that's his movie deal. He bought a movie company. So yeah. moving to L.A. didn't do that. LeBron buying the studio did that. <laughs> yeah. He just moved to the right place to get the movie made. <laughs> it was closer to him. He didn't <laughs> he, have to travel across country. Commute, he made his commute easier. That's yeah, all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But you know what? I got to be honest with you, man, because uh, we're going to start bringing this to a close here. But you're talking about players making their own brands. One of the players that I see slowly but surely doing that that's young right now and is everywhere, man. Keldon Johnson, man. KJ. He's doing it. He's doing it, man. You see him. I mean, what do you think about him, man? Oh, I, I've told you this before. Like, I love Kel- Keldon's the one guy who has... Um, his growth and development from Boston to bubble this year to listening to his, the way his team talks about him, his ability to space the floor and shoot from three, his body allowing him to handle contact and absorb contact and play through it, his uh, defensive ability. Like these are all things that make Keldon Johnson really, 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 really good. And if he continues to ascend the way he did over this past season, I mean, the sky's the limit for this guy, and he could possibly be your next superstar, which is why I say, if you're going to trade anything, nothing's off the table. But I'm at least putting a really, really high dollar value on Keldon Johnson. No doubt. No doubt. You know, and that's that's one of the things that I talked about in, the, in this last podcast that I, I had with, with Jeff. 
is I don't have a problem with the team being bad and losing, but I know they need to make have a clear definition of what they want to do. For example, you they have a, a really tough decision this offseason. Are you going to go ahead and still want to keep DeMar on this team? And if he decides to leave and go somewhere else, just blow the whole damn thing up and just go young and see what you can get. And I'm okay with losing as long as there's a clear definition, meaning that these younger players are getting better. You know, at least we know that we're going to have some pieces. And I will add to that in the fact that if he decides he wants to opt out, maybe get with him and his agent. Be like, hey, where do you want to go? How much do you want to make? Maybe we can work out a sign-in trade for you. Yeah. Get something in return. That way you get what you want and you get to go where you want and we at least recoup something for you. Yeah. And even if he doesn't leave, if you'd still like to move on from LaMarcus and get something in return, I'm okay with that too. Yeah. Like nothing in this roster is untouchable. And as much as Patty Mills is kind of the heart of the team, like even Patty Mills is on the table, man. I, I see the way the West is structured. And you have to be really good if you yeah. want to claw through that mess. Yeah. There, there's too much talent here. And this, like you said, the Spurs There's a lot of something. talent and there's a lot of young talent too. Like there's not a whole bunch of Lakers and Rockets that are, you know, filled with aging vets. Yeah. There's a lot of young, talented teams out there. One of the teams that I think is actually going to start making some waves here, if they can get a decent enough coach and he can get them playing together at a high level because of all the the young players they have are the Pelicans, man. If they can get their yeah. stuff together, better watch out. And they could easily surpass the the Spurs because of the talent level that they have on that particular team. So, yeah. again, I mean, I think because of the talent level, they're already past the Spurs. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, if Zion would have played all year long, the Spurs wouldn't have, wouldn't have yeah. beaten them in the six. <laughs> Look at what he did when uh, they did come to San Antonio. <laughs> Brandon... Brandon Ingram's a really good piece. Uh, if you could possibly trade Drew Holiday and get something of value in return over there, you've got the makings of a team that can really, really start to make a push to at least the bottom part, uh, you know, five through eight yeah. in the Western Conference. And with Zion's development, sky's the limit. Yeah. I got to be honest with you, Pledger. If, if we're talking about next season here, I see the Spurs, and honestly, man, I, I got to be honest, be, based on the talent that we see in front of them, right now, going into, let's say, this this upcoming season, I'd have to say the Spurs are either going to be a solid 10 or 11th best team in the West. I mean, what are your thoughts? <laughs> um, I've done this exercise before. I'll do it with you. In the Western Conference... And not just this year, let's say over the next three three years. Okay? Okay. Let, let's start at the top and work our way down. Lakers. Better? Next three years? Yeah, I would say so. Clippers. Better? Next three years? Yes. Um, Denver. Next three years. Built better? Without a doubt. Um, Utah, next three years. I'd have to say yes again. <laughs> All right. Um, Houston, built better over the next three years than the than the Spurs? 
that's where you get me with the question mark. They have potential, but built better. I don't know. Um, who's who's built to compete? As in, you know, top of the Western Conference. Who's I'd more to built say, to compete over there? I'd have to years? say Houston is better in the Spurs in that regards for competing in not only the regular season, because but you, because you have two superstars there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. New Orleans better. Yes. Memphis built better. Yes. Um. We're trying to think of uh, jazz. Uh, we haven't even mentioned the jazz. Did we mention the jazz? No, no. We mentioned Utah. Okay. We mentioned Utah. They were fourth. Because um, I was trying to go down the stage. Dallas built better. Yes. yes, Dallas. Okay, so that's eight teams right there. Um, I'm going to keep going. I said New Orleans. I said Memphis. I said Dallas. Um, Phoenix. Yeah, I got to say yes again. They're they're young talent pool. You know. Even though okay. they're un- unproven, they still got a lot more talent. That that's nine. Um, Golden State built better over the next three years. Emphatically, yes. <laughs> that's ten. Ten. Uh, here, here's an easier way to possibly do this. Name the teams over the next three years that aren't built better than the Spurs. We even forgot to throw in Sacramento. And, and well, we forgot Portland. We forgot Portland. That's who we forgot. Yeah. So I'd have to say, wow, in front of them right now. So, or- so, 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 right now, looking at the roster now, and then projecting forward over the next three years, which teams in the Western Conference are built worse than the Spurs? Wow. <laughs> Not very many, man. I- I can only I can only name two wow. teams. Maybe Sacramento. The Sacramento Kings and the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's what That's the Spurs it. are yeah. looking at. Which is why I've been a proponent of if this isn't it and we know it's not, blow it up. Blow yeah. it up. Take your high price talent, drop down under the salary cap, afford yourself some some space by trading away whether it's LaMarcus or DeMar, like if, if there's a way, if there is any way that the Bulls would want for their young talent to get kind of a go-to score, whether that's DeMar or whether that's LaMarcus, and you could probably Lori Markinen off their hands, I would do that in an instant because he is a stretch four while not a great defender that gives them the floor spacing that they need for their guards that like to slash, like whether it's DeMar or whether it's Lonnie or whether it's uh, DeJounte, like the slashing guards that don't have a great outside game. He helps to provide that spacing, and then you can play Trey Lyles at the five, which gives you more spacing, but he's also that glue guy that's just going to go get you rebounds. Like, that's... That's a possible fix, I think, for this roster in terms of just being able to like you're you're gonna have to score points. Like yeah. you're not gonna be like play these like you know ninety eight eighty seven games like the Spurs are used to playing back in the in the two thousands. Like that's not that's yeah. a thing of the past. You gotta get used to these high scoring <laughs> games that we saw in the bubble pop. Yeah, but embrace it. See if you can go get a Lori Markinen from Chicago, and 
you open up cap space. Maybe you take on an auto porter who can also play the three, four role for you. Maybe coming off the bench if he's healthy and he's a good guy that, you know, in limited capacity could fill a role for you as kind of a role guy. I know he's making a lot of money, but you have to take that money on to get money off your books yeah. to make the salaries match. But it's a, it's a salary that would also come off your books at the end of next year too. So there are moves like that. If Brooklyn wants to pair a third star with their, with the Kyrie and Kevin up there, if uh, Boston would like to do so, I'm about, shaking it up because I see what's in front of you and the path to get there. It's not what we've seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that one because if, if the Spurs don't I do mean, something, they can call me a riverboat gambler all they <laughs> want. I'm a realist and I just see what's in front of them. No, it's, it's true though, because of the talent pool that every other team has in front of us, you know, and if the Spurs don't watch it and they, they wait too long and, or they make the wrong decision, Surely, but slowly, we could see this team slip even past the Minnesota Timberwolves. And that's not a good thing, you know? That's a very bad thing. Very bad thing. But I I understand what you were saying, too, when you were saying no player is off limits. And, and we can circle back to one Malik Rose. And I always tell this to, to Spurs fans. Never get attached to players because at the end of the day, the NBA is a business and any one player can be traded if 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 something is is just sticks out at us where you got to have it. You know, this is going to make you better. You got to pull the trigger on that. And and unfortunately, sometimes Spurs fan favorites got to go, you know. And here's the thing, too. If it won for trading a fan favorite, you might not have that title in 14. True that. George Hill. Because, because George Hill netted you Kawhi Leonard, which puts you on the path to staying relevant in late into Tim's career. Yeah. Exactly. So that was a good analogy there. Good, good drop of knowledge there for the Spurs uh, <laughs> faithful here because, you know, we have a lot of people who revert to doing the, the trade calculators and the trade simulators. It's a trade. It's a Here's fix. the thing. <laughs> In San Antonio, is any fan really impressed with anyone to a point where they're like, we can't get rid of him? I know I have my Keldon love, but I have yeah. I have reason for that uh, just because of the scratching the surface potential. And I want to see, you know, what the other three boxes on this lottery ticket show me if I get the triple uh, gold bar or not. <laughs> but... Lonnie Walker is beloved and he's a great dude. Like he is a great guy with a great story and everything that's come out about him during the pandemic. Like I love him. Yeah. I don't know what he is. Like yeah. he doesn't seem to either fit or he's hesitating within the offense. It's one of two things. And I can't figure out who Lonnie is or what he does best. He's the enigma. And he's, He's not off limits. Yeah. <laughs> He's definitely not off limits. Like Deshante Murray, did we see his peak before the injury? We don't know yet. <laughs> we don't know yet. Because it feels like it. It feels like he's kind of plateaued off here lately. I'm willing to give him one more season before I make my assumption. I'm not willing to say that he's not off the table, though. No, no, I'm not saying he's like, off the table. There may be something there, but at this point, I'm like, uh 
let's roll it through because there's there's a lot of people in front of us and I can't continue to wait year after year after year after year to see if you're finally going to take that next step. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's just it's the nature of the beast. You know, if you wait around too long, if you're just too hesitant to not make a trade, make a deal, you're just going to be stuck in limbo forever. And it's going to take that much longer to get to the promised land. I know Brian Wright watches your podcast, so I just want to say this to him. Brian Wright, if at all possible, if you can go get Lori Markin in this offseason, do it. There you go. Also, I'd like you to also I'd like you to draft Sadiq Bay at eleven. Oh, Sadiq. <laughs> Man, you're gonna start all sorts of stuff now, Pledger. You know, one of my good <laughs> friends, he's he's all for Obi Toppin. He's like, what if Obi Toppin Obi drops Toppin's to 11? Obi Toppin's not falling to 11. That's the problem. <laughs> That's what I keep telling him. Like, they don't I'm listen. being realistic about who's getting taken at 11. <laughs> and Sadiq Bey, if you look at him, he's a little bit like Rudy Gay with a better three-point shot. Like, he shot yeah. 45% from three from Villanova. He will play some defense, and he can play, you know, multiple positions. He's six eight. Uh, so he can play three, he can play four. Like you don't need him to be the superstar, but if he develops into it, great. But he can at least provide you some scoring punch and floor spacing early in his rookie year. Yeah, I think there was another. Uh, how was it? Another big man that the Spurs were looking at. I think his name was Patrick Williams. Remember, he searched Patrick Williams, the six eight kid out of. State with yeah. the crazy wingspan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not I as keep high hearing on that. Him. I keep hearing that guy. Like I, I get it in terms of the tools to develop. Yeah, but I don't. I don't want to develop them, man. I, I want. I want somebody <laughs> that, that's got. Like I get it. Like Chip Ingram's a master and uh, can fix shots, but like you know, we're trying to fix Dejounte's shot. We're trying to fix. Uh, uh, Lonnie Walker shot Lucas. like I'm tired of fixing tuck, man. Let's just get somebody that can make some buckets from deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. Even uh, Devin Vassil's been uh, thrown out there as a possible. Yeah, uh, I could drop to eleven as well. So you have these supposed big guys that the Spurs have been looking at, but I got to say, man, out of all those, the sexy pick would be Sadiq Bay. I would jump out of my the seat. The two I like are Sadiq Bay and James Wise, or not James Wiseman, but uh, um, Precious Achua. Oh yeah. I've heard, we've been hearing, we didn't hear a lot about him, but now that the Spurs were rumored to be taking a look at the kid and you start looking at what he can do, he's an interesting pick as well. He is, he is a project though, but yeah. he's what the modern NBA is. He's, he's pick and pop. He can roll like he's athletic. He can, he's got bounce. Like he needs to put some weight on him, obviously, but. He's yeah. the modern NBA's big man in terms of, you know, he's a lot like a uh, Miles Turner, yeah, uh, or Jarrett Jack. You know, he's a bouncy, long, big man that can stretch the floor a little. Yeah, if he needs to put on some weight and we draft him, man, we'll just put him here in San Antonio and feed some tacos to him. Just you know, show him, show him to a taqueria, man. There you go. Go to the Jalisco, man. Get you some big red. <laughs> and you'll be thickened up in about two weeks. You'll put on 10 pounds of either fat or muscle. <laughs> Got to wear the stretchy pants. He can't be using here. He can't be running around in the uh, the tailor-made windsuit, you know, the jogging suit like you. <laughs> 
And you got to be. Uh, I'm just lucky. Clothes off the rack happened to fit my body pretty good. Oh, man. <laughs> that was the, in, in, the inside joke there going on. Pledger wearing the uh, fitted tracksuit. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Pleasure is wearing the fitted tracksuit this morning. <laughs> Very dapper as always. Okay, so as we bring this episode to a close, I got to say it was a lot of fun talking Spurs basketball with you. Even though you are a Rockets fan, you know, you were born and raised coming from Houston, Texas. So, you know. I recognize greatness, though, and the Spurs have been great over the past 20-something years. So it's yeah. hard to argue with that. Yeah. So again, pleasure. Before and if you, if you think about it, even before the championships, they were a great team. Like this is a team that's missed the playoffs three times in like the history of the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> and never consecutively. Yeah. So before we go ahead and bring this to a close, pleasure, why don't you let everybody know where they can go ahead and hear you on ESPN SA, 1250 AM at 94.5 AM FM Monday through Fridays and also on Saturdays. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you tune in, 945 FM, 1250 AM, uh, listen online, ESPNSA.com. I'm third Mike and producer of The Blitz, weekdays from 4 to 7. I host all the Sports Center updates during the week, and I am also the host of the Saturday Morning Hangover, 9 to 11 on Saturdays, where, you know, we just kind of get into it like this. Yeah, well, I got I got a... An interesting topic for you. I'll talk to you about it off air for for maybe a show topic. It's really funny, though. It's really fun. It's really uh, exciting when you think about it. All right, man. So, again, we're we're thankful that Pledger donated his time to come out here and talk uh, Spurs basketball and kind of go down uh, memory lane here and share some of those behind-the-scenes stories. Uh, But you can also find me, Joe Garcia, for Two Shots Podcast on Twitter at T-W-O-S-H-O-T-S Podcast. And you can also check us out at twoshotspodcast.com. So for James Pledger, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you for watching and listening to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, be kind, we're out, peace. Peace.